Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, and our scripture reading this morning will be from verses 1 to 23. Verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So far the reading of God's word. Well, I believe this is the first time in 
my preaching experience that I've had to begin with a caveat, with an asterisk, so to speak. As you received in your email and even announced it this morning uh, that Kevin has a potential serious heart condition, um, I heard this news back on Thursday, and immediately I had two concerns. Uh, the first, like you, was, was this going to be acute, uh, or is this going to be something that could be, that could be treated? And, uh, and yeah, lots, lots of prayers, immediate prayers for Kevin. Uh, we pray that uh, things will be well for him and that he'll make a full recovery. The second concern that I had, that kind of followed a little later, is that over the past three weeks, uh, the main metaphor in this morning's sermon is to do with heart failure and heart conditions. Too soon? <laughs> I, I gave Kevin a call, and uh, Kevin was, was so gracious. Uh, he understood my dilemma, and uh, we even had a good laugh at the Lord's timing uh, in all of this, so uh, the green light was given. Because heart conditions are typically no laughing matter. Many of us here have some sort of heart condition or something in their family. Myself, my, my grandfather uh, had uh, faulty heart valves. My wife, uh, her uncle, has been diagnosed with atrial fibrillation. While others are on medication and have to watch their lifestyle or their diet. And what makes heart conditions so frightening is that if our heart fails, we die. A serious heart attack then is a serious emergency, one that uh, myself as a first responder respond to many times as we have the tools that if your heart should uh, be failing, hopefully we can get it beating again. However, if the affliction of your heart is bad enough, even with these modern and advanced tools, the window of survival even then is still very small. This was the case on one particular call that we had gone to. Uh, the elderly gentleman uh, was sitting in a chair and he had all the symptoms of, of something going wrong with his heart. He was pale and he was sweating and he had chest pains. And his stress was so much so that even his spouse, who was watching, uh, started to become ill herself with, with signs of, of heart problems. And so our crew was dividing up and, and helping the spouse and in helping this old man. And as we were working with the paramedics uh, and, and trying to diagnose what was happening, uh, he coded right in front of us and he fell off his chair. His heart had stopped. I immediately began CPR as the paramedics were doing the higher skills of trying to revive this man who was now clinically dead. Death does not look pretty. The body goes limp, our eyes glaze over, the, the color leaves our skin and our facial features begin to shrink. And we were doing the best that we could. But one look at this man and it was plain to see that he had no signs of life. And things were not looking good. Let's pray.
Lord, as we come to your word to look at matters of the heart, Lord, we pray that you would open our ears and open our eyes that we may understand your word and the word that you have for us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is now the fifth and the final sermon of the series of the parable of the sower. And as we've been going over the, the weeks in, in past, uh, we took note that the parable of the sower is not actually centered on the sower. The sower could be anyone who spreads the gospel. It could be God himself. Jesus spread the seeds of the gospel, the angels, prophets, and now you and I. The parable of the sower is also not centered on the gospel message itself, although it's clearly there in in picture form. But the parable of the sower is focused on the condition of the hearts of men. And this being the case, there are only four spiritual heart conditions for us here this morning, most of which are fatal. In the first of our series, we looked at the code of Jesus as he used the parables and metaphors. A simple code and easy to break if he wanted to. Look at verse 18 of Matthew 13. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. In this heart condition, the heart is hardened, and the gospel will go through great lengths. It's hardened to the gospel, and people go through great lengths to harden themselves and defend themselves from seeing their own sinful condition. The second risk of spiritual heart failure is shown in the gospel fell into the rocky soil. Verse 20. As for what was sown on the rocky soil, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. And here's the picture of a a somewhat willing heart that immediately receives the gospel with joy, endures for a while in their own strength, But when persecution arises on account of the word, they go just as quickly as they come. The third symptom of spiritual heart disease is found in verse 22. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. A life focused on the little things. These little things that have no eternal value to the extent that thoughts of heaven or the Lord's return become the enemy. The fourth type of soil, which we'll be focusing on this morning, is found in verse 8, which reads, Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some 30. Then Jesus gives us the meaning of this fourth type of soil in verse 23. 
as for what was sown on good soil. Stop here for a minute. The good soil is actually a paradox. At first glance, it appears to be a contradiction, but it is not, and this is how. The good soil does not represent a good person. The good soil does not represent the best of the soils, but quite the opposite. In the heart of the good soil is someone who loves themselves. They love money. They are proud and they are arrogant. The good soil is one who is disobedient and ungrateful and heartless and has no self-control. They are a brutal person and is a lover of pleasure rather than a lover of God. And you're probably thinking, this is the worst of all the soils. And you'd be right. It's the very worst of all of them. So why would we hope that the gospel lands here? The clue is in the next line of the verse. Look back to verse 23. For what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. This word understands in Greek is made up of a few words. On one side you have together with, and on the other side you have put. In the English language we say put it all together, or literally to connect the dots. Those with the heart of good soil, they're evil people but they get it. They get it. They've connected the dots, and unlike the other soils, they understand that they are evil. They have judged their own heart and realized that it is sick and perverse. Contrast this with the other soils. Look back to verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables, Jesus says, because in seeing they do not see, and in hearing they do not hear, nor, and here's the same word, nor do they understand. The other heart conditions fundamentally fail at this very point. They haven't put it all together. They either don't get it or they won't get it. They are unable or unwilling to connect the dots to see their own sin. And sadly, we can't do it for them. To even insinuate to those with the fatal spiritual heart conditions that they are sick and need heart surgery is not typically well received. And if we can't see that by nature we are not good people, 
then the good news that God sent his son to take our penalty on the cross is either foolishness, offensive, or both. Verse 14 would go on to say, Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never put two and two together. You will indeed see, but never connect the dots. All the soils have fatal heart conditions. But what makes the good soil good then is not some sort of innocence or righteousness, but that they have a realistic view of themselves. The Gospel of Luke states it like this. As for what was in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart. The soil that is typically defined as ready for planting is soft with all the conditions for growth, and it swallows up the whole seed, holding it fast. And likewise, in a willing heart, the gospel is accepted and absorbed in its entirety because these people understand that they are fallen and they need a savior. They are honest and real about their sickness and have examined themselves rightly before God so that God wouldn't have to do it for them in eternal judgment. To see our own sin, then, this is the first indicator that the gospel has fallen on good soil. And if seeing our own sin is the start of salvation, being upset over it enough to do something about it comes right after. This is the second indicator that the gospel has fallen on good soil. In the Beatitudes, Jesus would say this in Matthew 5 about the soft heart. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And commentaries agree that this is a mourning over sin. And those of the heart of good soil not only see that they're evil people, but they're devastated by it. And they cry out to the Lord for rescue and salvation. And should this repentant grief and contrite heart submit itself to the Lord of hosts, something miraculous happens. Jesus gives New life, and the little seed of the gospel germinates, and it cracks through its outer shell. Then this little seedling begins to sprout, and signs of life begin to appear. The little plant begins to grow up and becomes meek as it grows in understanding how magnificent God is. Then it quickly pops buds of mercy and forgiveness because they have been shown mercy and forgiveness from the Lord. And then they grow deep roots as they hunger and thirst after righteousness. And unlike the rocky soil, which withers under persecution, 
Jesus said, instead, they are blessed when they are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And then shortly after, flowers of wisdom bloom as this plant approaches full maturity. And what a beautiful progression of faith Jesus paints in Matthew 5. But it all begins with seeing our own sin, immediately followed by being upset enough to call out to the Lord in full surrender. And when this happens, we are given a new nature and we're made alive. And Paul says this in Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. And gone is the path of the hardness and the refusal to see the need of our own salvation. Gone is the rocky soil of a shallow faith that will not endure. Gone are the weeds of the little things in life. In exchange for that, that goes on to eternity. The first indicator then that the gospel has fallen on good soil is that we see our own sin. The second indicator is that immediately following that, we are devastated by our own sin. And we respond. The third indicator that the seed has fallen on good soil is found in the next verse, the next sentence of the verse in 23 again. As for what was sown in good soil... This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. For when a plant is alive, not only are there beautiful flowers of good character, but the production of fruit as well. The apostle James agrees with this saying, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? What do you think? Can that faith save him? Faith works. Faith obeys. A new nature that's been made alive in meekness and mercy and striving after righteousness loves to serve other believers, working hard in their gifting, but the labor, it's, 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 it's hard, but it hardly seems like work. Take, for example, our, our Christmas banquet that we just went to. Uh, if you were there, quite a blessing and a good time, am I right? Yet you ask those who serve, you ask those who, who ran it like, like the Koopmans, and they would say it was a joy to serve. Or those making coffee after the service. Or those working in the nursery even right now with those stinky little angels missing services. Uh, Praise the Lord for, for loving and caring helpers. Then there's those who are working hard, teaching Sunday school, leading Awana, missions work, leading music and creating choirs. It's a lot of work. But when you're within your gifting, it's a joy. All done by those who love, all those who work so hard for the Lord, yet they love their work, 
And Jesus says, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Do you produce? Is there a yield? This is an important clue. As there are hearts out there, indeed, even here this morning, that are on life support. Their spiritual heart is in constant need of CPR to be functional. Their spiritual heart often needs a shock or medication or it just quits beating. They've stated that they know Jesus, stated that they've surrendered their will, maybe even been baptized, but the plant just isn't maturing. Others encourage them to engage, feed into them, cheer them on, design ministries to participate in, but there's always a really good excuse why they can't. Jesus ran into this. Please come out, read the invitation. It's not even to work, but a wedding feast. Yet the excuses kept coming. They may say the right things, pray the right prayers, but they are forever needing prompting, forever needing counseling, forever needing personal ministry and encouragement. And when the energy and the persistence from others stops, they are right back to where they started. There is no fruit, at least not anything that amounts to very much. These are so fraught with troubles and mires in themselves that they never branch out and they never grow into maturity. Other Christian boxes may be checked but these defining characteristics that would typically authenticate spiritual life simply do not exist. And there are no signs of life. Well, we loaded the old man onto the stretcher and I was standing on my tippy toes doing CPR, coming down the driveway of his house and a quick pause as one of our crew members uh, went to the defibrillator and gave him a shock check for pulse, no pulse, back on the chest. And I began doing CPR down the driveway when something freakish began to happen. This man's arms on the stretcher, who's lying there lifeless and dead, his left arm began to slowly come up like you see in those alien movies. I'm like, oh boy, guys, guys, look, look what's happening. I'm like, no, no, keep going, keep going. It's like, no, no, you've really got to see this. His arm is now coming up like, whoa, whoa, so the paramedic, stop CPR, check for a pulse, check for signs of life. But there was no need. The man began to groan. Oh, my chest hurts. Yeah, sorry, sorry about all that. And then he says to the paramedic, give it to me straight. 
am I going to die? To which the paramedic said to him, Sir, you already did. This man's heart condition had changed. He was alive. And what a difference when people are alive. The skin, the color comes back. The features become strong. And they breathe and they move. And this man was, was so alive that as we're in the back of the ambulance, uh, the paramedic actually had to tell him to stop chatting so he could get his patch through the hospital. And what a difference when our spiritual hearts are alive. You don't need to shock it. You don't need to keep pushing on it or give it medications. It won't fail the moment it's taken off of life support. It is strong and it is a source of life to the rest of the body that is depending on it. And we all at times in our life we have times when our heart may need a little boost or a little shock from the Lord, yeah? But what a strong response in our spiritual lives when that shock is delivered. Are you a source of spiritual life to the church body? Giving, serving, and encouraging others? Or is your heart on life support with the church body constantly needing to focus on you and support you? There is one more strong indication that the seed of the gospel has landed on soft soil and that our hearts are made new. The rest of verse 23. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Fruit, by definition, is the product of a plant. So what is the product of being born again? The fruit of being born again has been described in a variety of ways, which are all true. It could be faith and obedience, engaged in humble service as we submit to God and one another like we just talked about. Fruit could also be the fruits of the Spirit found in Galatians 5. A change of nature characterized by love, joy, peace, and patience. Fruit could, e- could even be peace with God and restored relationships as we forgive others as God forgives us. These are all strong evidences of new life. But there's one more very apparent fruit that we have yet to mention. It'll be obvious when you hear it. To help us understand what this fruit is, let me quiz you briefly. What does a flax plant produce? Or farmers say you're planting corn, what do you expect to harvest? I guess it goes without saying. So then what should one expect when a gospel seed is planted? Did you ever think of that? What comes from a gospel plant? More gospel. 
Verse 23 again, he indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. The fourth and perhaps most clear indicator that the seed of the gospel has matured into a genuine faith is that we can't hold back what Christ has done. He's forgiven us. He's changed us, and for the first time we have real peace. When we read the news of so many things self-destructing all around us, we have hope. Because of what Christ has done is how Pastor Kevin, with a potentially serious heart condition, can still be gracious and laugh with me on the phone. It's how we can be anxious for nothing and even rejoice during the roundabouts in life because the Lord is at hand. Who wouldn't want to share this good news of salvation with everyone? And as this new life in Christ flows out of us, it's not a matter of if you share the good news or the gospel to anyone who will listen. It's not a matter of if you share your testimony, but how much and how often And what a fantastic measuring tool for a living and matured plant. How much gospel is coming from you? 30? 60? 100? Back in antiquity, the typical yield is only a fraction of this, so Jesus is making a point. Gospel seeds that have taken root and have grown mature are highly productive plants. Even the weakest of these plants is bearing more gospel seeds than what was normally considered healthy. If the seed has indeed fallen on a good and honest heart that sees its own sin, if this heart is devastated by that sin, then along with a revived servant's heart that encourages and supports the rest of the body, signs of life will be evident in the abundance of gospel seeds. Teaching at church, at home with our kids, coworkers, classmates, friends, and the cycle will start over. Some of our gospel seeds will fall on the hard path. Some of our gospel seeds will fall on the rocky soil and the weedy soil. And every once in a while, our gospel seeds will fall on the soft soil. And what an exciting thing that is. In closing... There are only four spiritual heart conditions of the human heart, most of which will lead to spiritual death. All of us here listening this morning who have heard the gospel that Jesus has died for our sin and risen again, we all have one of these heart conditions. What condition is your heart in?
You can't heal your own heart condition, but you can check your pulse. Let's check our spiritual pulse right now together. Do it with me. It's actually quite easy. You take your pointer finger and your middle finger and you extend your wrist. Go ahead. Extend your wrist. And right here at the base of your palm, you can gently press and see what you feel. For some of you, your pulse is strong and regular. You are very aware of your own sin and it bothers you and it bothered you so much that you cried out to the Lord for mercy and forgiveness. And he forgave you and and now your life is characterized by mercy and forgiveness and and you're striving after after his word and and this comes out of you as you serve in the body and you're a source of life to the body and, and gospel seeds are coming from you and as you share the joy of what Christ has done. And may the Lord bless you as you continue to grow. But for some others of you, you're pushing down and, and you have to push a little harder. Because you can't... No, wait, I think it's there. Yes, you're aware of God. You believe in God. You're aware that you're a sinner. But that drive for the Lord and His righteousness is weak and irregular. You need to be prompted and pushed to serve. And when it comes to witnessing to our friends and coworkers, it happens very little, if it happens at all. You need to go make an appointment with the great physician right now. Spiritual heart failure is serious, and you need to get your heart checked. And to doubt our salvation can actually be a healthy thing if it means you're going to go before the Lord and and have a a heart-to-heart conversation. In fact, the Apostle Peter would actually encourage this. And he would say, be all the more diligent to make certain of his calling and choosing you. Work hard to make sure that Christ has saved you. Don't risk eternal heart failure. Check in with the Lord and invite him to judge you clearly according to the standard of his word. And it's a prayer that the Lord loves to hear. And he will heal and strengthen your heart. For the rest of us here this morning, you have yet to connect the dots. And it's not a matter of knowing or understanding sin. As by and large, humanity is an expert at seeing the sin and the fallenness in the world around us. Whether it's in our spouse or our government or our boss, we see corruption everywhere. Everywhere, that is except in our own heart. 
And instead of, instead you are covering your sin with excuses and blame and perhaps depending on some throwaway token like having said a prayer when you were five years old. Yet there are no signs of life. All I can do is leave you with the words of Jesus who said this in Revelation. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you have received and what you have heard, what you have heard even this morning. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know the hour that I come against you. Sobering words. Yet still now, even now, there is hope and an invitation to wake up. Put two and two together. Connect the dots of your own sinfulness and act. And this is why we celebrate the hope of of Christmas. God's love and that He sent his son into the world. Christ, the son of God, the perfect lamb, has come into the world. Emmanuel, meaning God with us. The living word made flesh. And all hail the incarnate deity. Christ, the everlasting Lord, has come into the world. A spotless sacrifice to take away the sins of the world. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The older gentleman who we saved that day from his heart attack went on to live for some time, but would eventually die as all men do. But those whom Christ has made alive, the hearts that Jesus has healed, shall have eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we celebrate during this time and this season, the sending of your Son to earth to show the way, and then to die and pay for the debt of our sin. Lord, we ask that you'd grant us mercy. Lord, the mercy to be aware of our own sin. And then, Lord, one more request. That we would be devastated by this depravity and bring our failing hearts before you to be healed. Lord, to be made alive and to have signs of life that both bless one another here and that would bless you. We humbly ask these things in your name. Amen.